Good morning. Last week we began our study of John chapter 12 in which uh, Jesus arrives in uh, Bethany to see Lazarus and Mary and Margaret and had a, uh, had a meal at Simon's house and uh, Mary anointed Christ with some, some oil and uh, there was some discussion among the apostles uh, about the use of this expensive ointment and uh, that's kind of where we left off uh, last week. Uh, does anybody have any questions or comments in regards to what we read and discussed last week before we get started? Okay, so we're going to start in verse 9. So let's read 9 through uh, 11. <clears throat> Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So in verse 9 it, it speaks of uh, a multitude, a crowd of people, uh, of Jews to be specific, that came <clears throat> uh, to see Jesus uh, and Lazarus, mainly to see Lazarus uh, and the, uh, you know, just to behold the miracle that they had heard about, that he had died and Jesus came and raised him from the dead. <clears throat> so they, I guess, wanted to see it firsthand that it was true. And <clears throat> uh, verse 9 points out there was... There, there were two reasons uh, that the Jews came to Simon's house. Uh, one was to see Jesus, and also, number two, was to see Lazarus. Uh, initially, I guess they, they came out of curiosity, uh, and what they had heard of, uh, the miracle that had occurred, and but... Out of curiosity, they came, but they left believing. Uh, so we can somewhat take that uh, and apply it as far as applications, I guess, go today. You know, we can stimulate someone's curiosity, can't we? That, that's fairly easy to do. Uh, it's just human nature <clears throat> that we as... Uh, people are curious. And so if we spark their interest and curiosity into what we do here in the church and what the Bible says, then perhaps they may want to study more and hopefully come to church and, and see what it's, you know, see what's going on and what we're teaching. So that curiosity 
can turn out to be a good thing and possibly lead uh, to a believer. Verse 10 uh, <clears throat> and 11, the chief priests, they decide that they want to uh, or discuss about the idea of putting Lazarus to death, to kill Lazarus. Because uh, of Lazarus, he's like this living <clears throat> proof, I guess you could say, that Jesus is who he says he is. And the people are really starting <clears throat> to <clears throat> excuse me, believe in, in Christ and what he's saying. <clears throat> so the, these chief priests of the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they are so um, <clears throat> determined to do away with Christ that they're willing to actually kill an innocent person. Not that Christ isn't innocent, but they're willing to kill one of Christ's good friends just to uh, rid them of this uh, living proof, I guess you could say. Uh, that, that, that demonstrates how far they were willing to go uh, in getting rid of Christ and, and disproving Him. So, not only were they concerned about putting Christ to death, uh, they had become so distraught and angered by everything, they wanted to kill Lazarus as well. <clears throat> Alright, so in verse 12 through 19, um, is looking at Christ. Uh, <clears throat> arrival uh, into Jerusalem. Uh, in Jerusalem, uh, remember from last week, the Sabbath, or not the Sabbath, but the Passover. Uh, the Feast of Passover is coming up on Thursday, the 14th day of the month of Nisan in the Jewish religious calendar. And so <clears throat> he is making his way into Jerusalem where there would have been, we don't know how many exactly, but there's the possibility there could have been a million, possibly more. Could have been a couple million people in, the, in Jerusalem and in that vicinity for the, the feast of the Passover. So keep that in mind. So... Let's read 12 through 19 real quick, and then I also want to reference uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account as well. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found a young donkey set thereon as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on a donkey's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. 
or witness. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Now if you will turn to Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verses 1 through 9. Matthew 21, 1 through 9. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt, put on them their clothes, and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, others cut down branches from trees, and strew them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Now Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. When they came nigh to Jerusalem into Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon, whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without, in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded. And they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strew them in the way. And they went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that, <clears throat> that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So mention uh, Mark here in his account uh, does not mention the prophecy. Did anybody catch that? The prophecy was not mentioned in Mark's account. Now Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 38. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, 
in which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied whereon yet never a man has sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord, Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, uh, the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments on the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, uh, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Luke does not mention the prophecy either. And he does not mention the term Hosanna. In the other passages, uh, they mention the term Hosanna. Uh, so, uh, by reading those, you can kind of compare and contrast uh, some of the things that uh, was added or left out by the various writers. So, that's always good to kind of look at. Uh, but uh, back in John 12, verses uh, 12 and 13, um, it speaks about the... Uh, the people that were there in Jerusalem at the feast, um, uh, speaking of how many there were, and King James uses the the adjective much. Um, and then I guess the crowd had heard that he was coming, going to actually come into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, so they took branches of palm trees and went to meet him. The other passages or the other accounts, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not mention palm tree branches. They just, rem you know, they reference tree branches or branches from trees. So what, what is significant, do you think, about palm branches? and the fact that they laid them in the path. That, that was a sign of victory uh, in those days, a sign of victory or triumph. Uh, you know, say, uh, the military was coming back from a battle or anything like that in which they had won or triumphed. Uh, as they were coming back into town, uh, the citizens would lay these palm tree branches in the road to make a path for them, you know, signifying uh, their, I guess, like appreciation and awe and letting them know uh, that they knew what they had done. I guess that's kind of the easy way to put it. Uh, not only did they lay tree branches, uh, they threw clothes down. They took their coats and everything else and laid it. 
which John does not mention in his passage, but the other three do, uh, that they laid their clothes down as well. Uh, so <clears throat> here we have Christ making his way uh, into Jerusalem by way of the Mount of Olives, which John in his account does not mention how Christ went or the road that he took uh, through um, the Mount of Olives in order to get into Jerusalem. So um, also Hosanna, when they, they cried and came out to meet him, they were yelling, Hosanna. Does anybody remember what the term Hosanna means? Hosanna is literally translated, save we pray, or in other words, salvation. So Hosanna means salvation. So as they're uh, gathered all along the road and as far as, you know, the entire path, which I read somewhere was roughly 13 miles from Bethany, into Jerusalem, uh, all along that 13 miles, the Jews were gathered along the side of the road and were screaming, Hosanna. Uh, in other words, they knew that Christ was, they were beginning to believe and realize that he was the Messiah and he was there to bring salvation to the Jews. And they had and out of respect and oh, oh, save. oh save okay verse 14 uh, Jesus commands his disciples to go get a, uh, a donkey and the colt for him to ride upon. What do you think is the significance of a donkey, him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, versus a, a horse? Because or a stallion? The Jews were looking for a king to ride in on a magnificent horse to show authority and he was going to be the leader. Exactly. Uh, if you didn't hear what Brother Mike said, it was a symbol of humil humility. It was to demonstrate uh, how meek and humble the Lord was, and that uh, you know uh, a horse or you know a stallion in those days was a symbol of, uh, I guess you could say, of war. You know, warriors, uh, your generals, your leaders would ride into battle on a stallion, uh, your kings, um, any, you know, dignitary, uh, I guess you could say, of that time would ride upon a horse, and not just any horse. It would have been a stallion of, you know, great nature, strong, 
which kind of gave themselves the perception of being strong and mighty and powerful. And, you know, that they ruled over, you know, they set up high. So it gave them that confidence where they had looked down on everybody else around them. So, you know, it served two purposes. Not only the people on the ground looking up, you know, they, they're the ones that would feel humble and lowly. And then, likewise, the person sitting on the horse would feel powerful and, and mighty. So, uh, that's, that's the reason he chose to ride in on the colt or the donkey. Uh, not only that, it was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. So if you will, let's turn over real quick and read that prophecy, which they paraphrased it uh, in uh, already. Let's see, where was it in? No, John does not mention the prophecy. He mentions that it, the, these things were written of him, but does not necessarily mention what was uh, said and by Zechariah. So let's turn over real quick to Zechariah 9, verse 9, <clears throat> where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the foal of the donkey. So here we have in Zechariah uh, the actual prophecy that this was going to happen and occur. And when it was occurring, the disciples and the apostles themselves actually did not realize at first what was taking place. So in, let's see, oh, in verse 16, he says, These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. So these disciples that had come out to greet Jesus and to praise him did not realize they were actually making this prophecy come true. So they were already believing. And then when they began to realize what was going on, you can imagine that would even strengthen that belief even more because they knew what had been written and what had been prophesied. They were bearing witness, not in person. They were there in person actually witnessing what was going on. Does anybody have questions or comments about what we've discussed about about the prophecy and his arrival into Jerusalem. All right, and then finally, uh, there in verse 19, 
the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. So there's, uh, there has developed, and we, we've seen it develop in previous chapters, uh, two schools of thought among the Pharisees. Uh, one group, some is believing that he is who he says he is, and the other group, uh, I'm pretty sure they believe, but they don't want to believe, and they want to do away with him, if that makes sense. So what this scripture here is doing, from what I've read, is it is a criticism from the group that believes in Christ, and they're telling this other group that, look, uh, you see what you're doing? All these things that you have done trying to stop him, it's been for naught. It hasn't worked. And now the whole world, in other words, all the Jews, they're going out to see him. They're going after him. They believe. Everything you've done to try to stop him has not worked. And they're going after him because they believe. So it's almost like they're rubbing it in the other group's face. You know, like, you know. Right here after verse 19, there's a gap. Okay, so this kind of verse 19 ends this day, um, which would have been a, let's see, what did I write? Uh, Sunday? Yes, Sunday. So it would have been the 8th, ninth, 10th day of the month of Nisan. Uh, if you look there in chapter 12, it says on the next day. So... Uh, he had the meal at Simon's house on that Saturday uh, with the apostles and was anointed by Mary. That was all on a Saturday. Uh, and then the next day, uh, that Sunday, is when he rode into Jerusalem. Uh, let's see. Let me find where I'm at in my notes. And then the next day, on that Monday, it's when he curses the fig tree and cleanses the temple for the second time, as well as spoke many parables. And this, I guess, on the Monday is where verse 20 picks up. So this is, you know, you got a little break from Sunday, and then going into Monday in verse 20. So let's read 20 through 22. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh to telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So... The Greeks here, 
from what I understand, are Greeks that had been converted to Judaism. Uh, so they were uh, converts that had come into Jerusalem uh, to celebrate the uh, feast of the Passover. And they too had become curious and wanted to speak with Jesus concerning, you know, I assume his teachings, what he had been teaching about, what they had been hearing about, the miracles, everything uh, that they were, were hearing. They wanted to actually speak with him in person about that. So uh, they came to Philip, and Philip is actually a Greek name, uh, as well as Andrew. So maybe perhaps they, you know, that's the reason they chose Philip was, you know, uh, because of the Greek name. But when they approached Philip and asked to speak with him, um, he was, I guess you could say he was hesitant or uncertain because of the, let's see how to explain this. They thought that Christ was there to save just the Jews. At this point in time, they were somewhat under the assumption or belief that Christ was there to save just the Jews. Okay? So he was kind of in a predicament, if you want to say that. He, was, he wasn't quite sure how to handle it. So he went and told Andrew. said, look, Andrew, we've got these uh, Gentiles, these Greeks out here. They want to talk to Christ. But, you know, I don't know if it, it's not, it's not really going to do any good, is it? Because, you know, Christ, he's here for us, the Jews, not, not the Gentiles. So they're kind of going back and forth on what they need to do uh, how, how do they handle this? So uh, they, you know, discuss it, and then they go tell Jesus that these Greeks are out here and they want to talk to you personally. Uh, so let me back up one, one or two steps here. The reason they didn't go up to Christ personally because he was already in the... Uh, uh, he was in the next section of the temple. Yes, the temple. Thank you. The court of women. Okay, yes. So Christ was in the section known as the court of women, and Greeks or the Gentiles were not allowed in there. And. Uh, they could not approach him. That's why they, they spoke with Philip to be the messenger or the liaison to go in there and tell Christ personally that they were out there and that they wanted to speak with him. So uh, that's the reason they came up to Philip and made their request to him. And then he went and conferred with Andrew and told Andrew what was going on and then they went in and talked to Jesus, and that's where we'll pick up at verse 23. Um, 
And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it, ab- it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So, uh, Jesus is saying, uh, the time has come to start spreading the word to the Gentiles and basically the entire uh, world as was proclaimed uh, previously to spread the gospel unto all the world. And he mentions uh, a corn of wheat. Uh, In other words, he's saying a seed. So if a seed just is not planted... It does not bear fruit. If you want a seed to bear fruit, you have to plant it and nurture it. So this is what he's uh, referring to here in chapter 24, or I mean verse 24. Continue on in verse 25 and 26. He says, Jesus was referring to himself. He had to be planted in the ground. Right. And then when he resurrected, Right, and that, that's a good point that I don't think I, I made that, you know, the, the Gentiles were not to be saved until after the death, burial, and resurrection and the law was fulfilled. Then that's when everything would happen as prophesied. Okay, verse 25, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it, Unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So he's telling them that um, any person that loves their life here on this earth is going to lose it eternally. Okay? And he that hateth this life, and I don't think he literally means you hate your life while you're living here, but you do hate the world and its um, rejection of Christ and of God. Uh, But if you hate things of this world, I guess that's a better way of putting it, if you hate the things of this world then you shall keep your life eternally. So if you uh, sacrifice your life uh, to do God's will, then you shall have life eternal. And if any man serves, uh, serve him, then, then you need to follow Christ and what he commands. <clears throat> Verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. So verse 27 is a little different, and it's hard to pick up what's going on here just by reading the text. But in verse 27, he's actually, um, I guess you could say, meditating or talking to himself. He's not actually preaching 
are speaking before the crowd. He's kind of done backed up and whether he's thinking these thoughts or actually speaking them kind of like to himself, you know, we don't know. But it's like uh, he's still in that manly form, okay? And everything that us humans feel and experience, our emotions, he has those same feelings and emotions. And he's scared. He's scared of dying. He knows it's going to happen. He knows he has to do it. But that doesn't take away the fear because he's human. And so um, he's, you know, I don't know if he's, he's not really praying. Well, he's not praying. He's talking to himself. So he's, you know, he's saying, I'm scared. And he's saying, Father, save me from this hour which is reference to his crucifixion. And um, he's asking God, or not literally asking God, but, you know, save him from this horrible death that he's about to suffer. So that's what verse 27 is basically saying. He's kind of uh, meditating to himself, it's almost like it is just hitting almost. It's almost like he's come to the realization that the hour is drawing near and the suffering and the death, you know, and it's almost like it's hitting. And I dare say that's happened to most of us, not necessarily uh, this specific uh, instance, but we've had um, experiences, um, whether it's the death of a close one, a loved one, in which it doesn't sink in immediately. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you know, it's happened. And it gives you a, a different feeling inside, a feeling of emotion, and that's what's happening here. Yeah, the next one is the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. All right, verse, let's see, verse 28. So he says here, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore stood by and heard it, said that it uh, thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. So, we have an instance here where there was a voice from heaven that uh, saying that uh, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. And uh, let me make this one point and then we'll, we'll leave off there for this morning and pick up next week. But there are three uh, instances where there was a voice from heaven that others heard. Can you think of those three? Two others besides this one. Baptism of Jesus. Okay, baptism of Christ. 
and the Mount of Transfiguration. So those are the three accounts of a voice from heaven. Uh, this one right here in 29, uh, the baptism of Christ, and then at the Mount of Transfiguration. So we'll pick up, uh, pick here, pick back up here in verse 29 next week.